Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown, 49ers. What's up, everybody? It's Zane Naffy here for the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. And Al is out this week, so... We got our buddy Kevin Jones to cover for him again. And Kevin, how you doing, man? Am I CJ Beathard here? Am I the backup? I'm getting yanked off the bench. Am I the starter? <laughs> I mean, this is my second podcast here. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> you you are more than more than a backup, my friend. You are you are a very <laughs> capable starter. So g- glad to have you on this weekend. Yeah, Zane, looking forward to it. WebZone, you guys are some of my favorite people in the blogging community, honestly. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. So let's kind of just dive into a preview of this game against Seattle this Sunday. And the Seahawks kind of looked a little bit, I don't want to say, I mean, they didn't look mediocre by any means, but they looked not themselves against Atlanta. They gave up a ton of points in the first half and I believe 24 points in the first half. And and they they just didn't look like themselves after losing Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman probably for the season. I mean, does this, is this like, it feels like a winnable game, doesn't it? True. Yeah, we're recording this that Seattle Atlanta game you're talking about. It's still in the third quarter. It's twenty four seventeen. But you're right. They lost to Washington at home. Uh, they don't look like the old fearless Seahawks because of the Eagles' emergence in Philadelphia. Um, Aaron Rodgers is out this season, though, so you can't count them out. And how about the L.A. Rams? Sean McVay has mm-hmm. walked in there and completely turned the lights on for that program. So. It's an interesting time in the NFC West. Power is shifting a little bit towards the Rams, it feels like. But Seattle has experience, and not a lot of these teams in the NFC do in the postseason. So, um, But just on the 49ers, we can't even predict the game yet because we don't know who's going to start at quarterback. If right. Jimmy G starts, he could go in, and he could light things on fire. He could throw, hopefully not five picks like Nate Peterman, but, I mean, it could be bad. We, we really don't know. If C.J. Bathard starts, I would say they're going to lose 24-10 to 10 and not look that good. I get you with Seattle. They don't look the same without Chancellor and Richard Sherman, but they're still a damn good football team. They are, and they've, they do have a lot of depth, and that's one thing about that team is, is uh, as, I watch, as I watch them play Atlanta, there's not, I, I, you know, there's not one point in this game where I'm like, you know, this game is over. They're they're always in it. Russell Wilson's always making plays, but I I will say this about Russell Wilson. And last week I had a I ended the show talking about uh, the comparison between Russell Wilson and Steve Young. Russell Wilson he's he's a good quarterback when he has throwing lanes to throw through. Like, and I stand by that. When he has a clear shot to wherever he's going to, he's a, he's a pretty good quarterback. When you clog up those throwing lanes, he's an ordinary quarterback. He's an average quarterback. And you'll see that you'll see what Seattle does on offense. Any game they play. They basically have Russell Wilson. It's it's almost like a one read. He's going to go to his first read. He's going to get get it out of his hands. And when he actually does throw it deep, it's either to his first read or it's off of a bootleg or some crazy ad lib play that he has. It's usually not a play where he's kind of dissecting the defense and standing back there in the pocket. Like it, it's 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 kind of it's it's kind of misleading in terms of of what he brings in terms of of dangerousness to the actual scheme itself i feel like the scheme really fits him more than more than the fact that he can actually carry that scheme your observations are spot on dane i know you're critical of russell wilson coming from the other side 
he does something with the improvisation improvisation skills that we have never seen before. Like it's almost like Steph Curry in the three pointer or I can't think of an example offhand about baseball, but it's just like one of those tricks where it's like, okay, yes, he's short. Yes, he has limitations. Yes, he can't see things in the pocket. He's, he doesn't process like a Rodgers or a Brady, but he has this one trick where he runs around and can make things happen. And even other quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton have copied this ability and said, oh, we need to be like Russell Wilson. So He's made off-schedule plays and won a Super Bowl doing it, and he's made the team competitive doing it. It's his style, for better or worse. They're married to it. They got him on a pretty fair contract, considering the quarterback numbers these days. He, to me, he's on his best day. He can be a top-five quarterback, and he's flirting, you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven, depending on the week. Yeah, and and I will say I will agree with you in the terms of in terms of those those off-schedule ad-lib plays. He is he is the best in the league at those. Like there's nobody better when the play breaks down and it's time for him to, to just be an athlete and make a play that, that guy is the guy that you're always afraid of. Like, you know, if you're, if you're the, the defense, that's the one guy that is going to make a play out of nothing. And he does it more often than anybody in this league. So the question is, how do you stop that? How are the 49ers going to stop that? And when Vic Fangio was here, he, he kind of concocted some schemes that were really, really effective in containing Russell Wilson. You can't completely stop those plays because sometimes it's just like a, like a missed tackle here, or lucky bounce there, like a really good catch or a good throw, good throw. You can't stop it every single time. But it seemed like at the beginning, especially at the beginning of Russell Wilson's career, when he played the 49ers, they, would, they were able to keep him in check for the most part. And the way they were able to do that was, it, it, Kevin, if you notice how people try to defend Russell Wilson, they try to chase after him. They try to go go for the sack and chase after him. Nobody really just kind of contains him. What Vic Fangio had the 49ers doing was he had the defensive line kind of containing him and and waiting for reinforcements to kind of let the play break down and, and make a stop. It wasn't just one guy kind of hustling to the ball. It was multiple guys kind of surrounding him, which neutralized his ability to run around the circles and, and make plays down the field. Now, there were times, especially in that NFC Championship game, there's that big pass to, to uh, I believe it was Doug Baldwin that he had it was a uh, you know a play that broke down and it was a 50 yard gain and and they weren't able to keep contain on that Alton Smith miscontained but that's kind of how you how you defend him in my opinion obviously I'm not a defensive coordinator but you have to you can't go for the sack you have to contain him not attack him you bring up a couple of really good points Russell Wilson's impossible to practice for if you're going to have one of your guys d- during the week run around in circles and try and make this circus throw um, it, it doesn't really work out. And here's where Russell Wilson will hurt the 49ers. Teams that pressure him, that's they live and die by that. Seattle is used to being mm-hmm. pressured the whole time. He likes being pressured. You, you bring up the thing about contain. It, it's just easier said than done to play that way when you don't normally play quarterbacks that way. And your, your D linemen fade back on old techniques and they're chasing him around when they should be in their spot. And then you have holes all over the field. So He's a very difficult quarterback to prepare for, even though they have limited offensive line, limited playmakers, really a limited playbook. They're not running anything crazy. They can get into a shootout, but they prefer not to, and they prefer him to just make two or three plays to win in the game. And he's proven to do that. I understand the Russell Wilson haters, though. I mean, he's he's hard to define. You can't really put him in a box, and he does have limitations, but I, I would take him. I was. I think I would take him over Jimmy G. If you said tomorrow, who would the 49ers quarterback be, Russell Wilson or Jimmy G? 
hey, Jimmy G could be better than Russell Wilson, but I would take a sure thing where I know if I'm going to have a good defense, we're going to compete. Of course, yeah, and, and I, I would be right with you there. That I mean, Russell Wilson, he's not he, – he is a good quarterback. I don't think he's elite, but I think he is a good quarterback, and he fits that scheme really well. You notice that every time there's a coordinator leaving Seattle, it's a defensive coordinator. It's never Daryl Bevel. Daryl Bevel has been there for the entirety of Russell Wilson's career. So I think that's, that, that's a lot to be said for that, for the, the Seattle front office keeping Daryl Bevel around to be able to, to scheme around Russell Wilson. Now I kind of want to move move forward from Russell Wilson and kind of talk about the rest of their rest of their offense and they're really struggling along that offensive line. They gave up a sack to uh, Adrian Claiborne, who I believe he he had some funny story. He had some sort of roster bonus where he was going to get seven hundred fifty k extra for getting eight sacks. Well, he had six sacks last week and he has one tonight, so he's almost he's almost at ten for which he'll get like a million dollars. So the you know the Atlanta, Atlanta defensive end. So I mean that's that's kind of a funny story that that uh, I just thought of but uh, I digress so moving on to the to the Seattle offensive line like they they're really struggling Russell Wilson's taking a ton of hits he's had he's having to do more of those ad-lib plays the running game really isn't going anywhere and they tried to address it they they picked up Luke Jokel they drafted uh Herman Defady, and it's just not it's just not working out for them I mean what's what's wrong with that offensive yeah. line yeah, I mean, I haven't seen enough tape to really diagnose that, but I'll go back to the week two matchup between the Niners and Seahawks. It feels like two years ago. Hoyer was starting. Um, you had a really close, low-scoring game. The 49ers made some plays late with Carlos Hyde. They were right in it at the end at Seattle in their second-ever game. So I, I think this matchup, if the 49ers play well defensively, they have a good shot at keeping this close. Um pressuring Wilson and, and counting on that, you're going to count on that. But you need Ruben Foster to be active sideline to sideline. You're going to hope that someone steps in a free safety and is playing like Claiborne did last week. I'm looking more at the 49ers in this matchup. Individually, can they win one-on-one matchups? You know, the final score may not go their way, but if they, they can check some boxes and get some growth out of the game, it won't be a complete loss. Yeah, and they they took care of their the Owen sixteen talk last week. So we really it, at this point, you know, it's not it's all null and void. They've won their game, and are, they're not gonna they're not gonna go on sixteen. So we don't have anything exactly. to worry about. I, I'm I'm kind of with you there. If they can keep it close, it's it's a win in my books because the 49ers honestly have no business winning this game just based off of what's on paper. There are too many injuries for the 49ers. A rookie quarterback starting Seattle still not at the top, but they're near the top. And who knows, by that time, they may be on top of the division as well, too. So they, if they can compete and minimize mistakes and, like you said, grow from this game, then I think it's a win. And I would have loved to have seen Solomon Thomas against, against the Seahawks now, given the fact that he's had like a full, almost a full season of, of experience. But we will see Ruben Foster. And that's the one guy that I think could be a difference maker in terms of just being like a spy on Russell Wilson and, and mimicking his movements and, and, and kind of containing him and preventing him from those running, running wild and, and having all these scrambles. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. This is basically Robert Sala playing against his old offense that he used to practice against in Seattle. And for those of you who don't know, the 49ers currently run the same scheme that the Seahawks currently run. And it's a single high safety with the other safety in the box. So it's basically nine guys in the box and the, the corners are playing press coverage on the outside. And, and there's a, like a pass rusher, Leo, 
uh, type of a pass rusher type of defensive end on the very end. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what they've learned from the first time around. And the first time around, they didn't have Ruben Foster and uh, they did have Joukowsky Tart. So, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of hard to say. I, I don't really know what to expect from them. Yeah. I mean, and then the main thing that we didn't address in that answer, Jimmy Garoppolo should be starting. And right. we probably should have led the podcast with that because that's the biggest debate going on in 49ers land. And you have rap sheet going on and saying it could be Bethard. And you have John Lynch kind of doing interviews with Mayoko saying it could be Bethard. You don't really owe Bethard this, even though he's been tough and he's a third round pick. His sample size has been great. I say leave him on the shelf. He had a great little run there in October, November. You just traded for a quarterback who's been in the league for several years. He can pick up an offense. You can create a simple game plan for Jimmy Garoppolo to succeed and then also test him. You know what I mean? You can put him in spots where it's like, let's grade him in this situation. But third down, we want to see him make this throw. You can script a game plan for Jimmy Garoppolo and not make it too complex. And still, it, it can benefit the team and benefit him because you need to see this guy play. He started two times in the NFL. Yeah, and Matt Mayoko actually, he was on the radio earlier today saying that he believes that C.J. Beathard is going to start. So I, I, I'm i kind of on the fence with this one. Like, I understand if C.J. gets the start, he's I think he's earned it. I think that he's played his guts out and the guy's just taken a beating and he's earned the respect. He's earned my respect and I, and I know he's earned the respect of the locker room and the team as well. So he's definitely earned the right to, to be the starter. Now, is it what's best for the 49ers long-term? We don't know. And like you said, Jimmy Garoppolo, is a, he's the type of guy that's capable enough to step in there and start and, and play well because he's, because he's used to, to processing NFL playbooks and processing NFL defenses and things like that. Things that, that a rookie isn't really used to until they're, they're in the league for, for a year or two. So yeah, that means... Well, to me, yeah, let me chime in, Zane. If you don't start Jimmy G here, it almost makes it seem to me like you're scared that he's going to fail, that he can't come in against Seattle and deliver performance. You don't want him to crap the bed. And you're, you, you want to just throw C.J. Beathard to the Wolves, essentially. What if C.J. Beathard wins this game? Are right. you just going to keep playing him all year? Mm-hmm. What, if, what if C.J. Beathard wins and plays well, and then the next week he plays okay, and you're like, oh, what do we do? And then the following week after that, he plays awful. And then it's like there's two or three games left for Jimmy G., I don't know if he's, if Jimmy G truly isn't ready to play this week, I think it's a little alarming that they're scared. He can't perform well or that he's not learning the offense quickly enough. I get the other side completely like CJ Beathard is, is great, but his skill set is just not of what Jimmy Garoppolo's is. Jimmy Garoppolo has a better arm is more athletic mobile. He has the traits that would be a franchise quarterback. And I just don't think it does you any good going into the offseason where C.J. Bathard will have eight NFL starts and Garoppolo will have like four or five. It, uh, that's going to be a little out of whack and almost put pressure on Jimmy G to perform early next year because people will be calling for Bathard. Yeah, and you know what it is? It's the fact that it's, it's these guys. If it was any other team, if it was, I feel like the hesitancy is because it's the Seahawks and so many 49ers players have been hurt playing the Seahawks. I mean, Navarro Bowman, Vernon Davis, uh, Ian Williams, God, the, the list goes on. There, there have been countless players that they have hurt from the 49ers. Okay, so. so you're so scared. What, what, you're fielding a JV team. Your players are going to get hurt. I mean, this mentality of trying to protect people, yeah, I, 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 I don't understand. Like, everyone's got, is this fragile? Like, Jimmy G's this fragile? You don't want to 
I get it. You want to get him off to a good start. I, I understand that, that side of the coin, but I don't know. You're, you're flirting with danger here and giving C.J. Beathard um, winning over fans, winning over people in that locker room that are going to choose C.J. Beathard. You're almost starting a quarterback controversy by starting C.J. Beathard. Yeah, and, and I totally get it. I get it, and and I get both sides of it. So, you know, I just mentioned the the all the injuries that the 49ers have had against Seattle, but the flip side of it is is what you had actually touched on, which is a really good point, that you are really stunting Jimmy Garoppolo's growth by by every week that you keep him out. And if there was ever a time to start him against against Seattle, this is the time. They're missing Cam Chancellor. They're missing Richard Sherman. They're clearly not the same team. Like we're seeing it, as you said before, we're watching this game as as we record against Atlanta. And they're not the they're not the same team. They're clearly they're clearly beat up. They're not the same. They can't run the same scheme. Even even Earl Thomas is out there. Does it make a difference? Not so far. So this is the time. This is the time to get him in there. It's a home game. Ideally you want some sort of softball game to to give him much like Blaine Gabbert got last year. He got a game against I believe it was at Atlanta after like a bye week. So you want that sort of situation, but it's not it's not a perfect world. And he has to play. And the only way he's going to get better is he, he's not going to get better holding a holding a clipboard or a, a tablet or whatever the hell they hold on the sideline now. He's going to play by getting he's going to get yeah, better by playing. Yeah. Exactly. That's my point. Put him in there. If he throws picks, good. He's getting them out of his system. You don't want this mm-hmm. to happen in September when he's seeing it for the first time. Go in there and let him make some mistakes firsthand. Let's get back on the practice field and correct it. Kyle has one flaw, in my opinion, is that he values practice time mm-hmm. way more than most other coaches. Like He was in love with Hoyer on the practice field, and Marquis Gillen is really, really good in the practice field. A lot of that stuff you just can't replicate. Um, so to me... I want to see Jimmy G struggle, and if he or this, he comes in and lights the world on fire, and is a lot better than people expect, and he's lifting this team spirits and winning some games and the season, and the momentum going into next year is wow, we hit this draft class out of the park. We have something good going on. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm with you on that, and I think that you really have to. By the way, the, the Falcons just scored again, so it's thirty-one twenty. And funny, funny stat. So that brings me to a, to a funny stat about Russell Wilson. And I know we just talked about him earlier, but circling back to that. So he's had 16 games in which the op- opposition has scored 25 or more points. He's only won three of them in his entire career. He is three and 13 in which games in games in which the opposition scores 25 or more points. So, Hey, if the 49ers can get to 27 points or something, then, then I'll be good. Right. But, but, um, just a little, little interesting tidbit for you there. Yeah, I mean, he also goes to the playoffs every year, and the Seahawks have a chance to win the Super Bowl. People exactly. Get, <laughs> people get nitpicky on on games and stats <laughs> like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not calling exactly. you out, Dane. That is that is a good nugget, but for me, he's one of ten guys that I would have to build my franchise around, and I would say, yeah, we're doing it. I think he can lead us to a Super Bowl if we put the right parts around him. Exactly. Hey, man, I, I bleed red and gold, right? I, I got to be critical. I have to. I, can't, I have no other choice. Oh, man. But um, yeah, this the the whole idea of a quarterback controversy with the 49ers right now, it's just, it's just not something they need. And I feel like this is the time that they really have to take that step. C.J. Beathard's proven himself. He's proven that he's going to be on the team next year. Like with a lot of times with these backup quarterback type draft picks, you don't know whether they're going to be on the team next, the next year. He's absolutely earned a spot on the team 
and he's absolutely earned respect. Like you look at yeah. what Nathan Peterman did up in Buffalo. Like the guy threw five picks in less than a full game. Like CJ Beathard didn't, hasn't done that yet. So <laughs> he's already playing better than than some of these rookie quarterbacks. So I think that there's some merit in that. But like you said, you've seen the sample size. You know what he has to offer. And now it's time to kind of groom your quarterback of the future, which is Jimmy Garoppolo. And they need to know. They need to know before the draft right. because if this doesn't work out, then you're in position right now. You're, you're in the set, number two draft slot after the Giants beat Kansas City. You're in the number two draft slot. And you can actually draft one of those quarterbacks if Jimmy G doesn't work out. Yeah. I mean, I could see Kyle just saying, you know what? It's not even worth it. We don't have Garcon. We don't have these parts. He's not going to look good. And not only is his trade value going to go down if we try and deal him, but the momentum could be going down. I completely understand that scenario. But I think you want to foster an atmosphere where you believe in the player, where you're not scared of situations, where you're trying to rise to the occasion and figure things out, especially on a six-year contract. I don't want to waste the whole season here. So I want to come away from the season saying, wow, DJ Beathard is our backup. Jimmy G looks like he can be the starter or not. Or, you know, we have some question marks there, but we gave him more games to figure some things out. But you make the best point, Zane, about CJ. Very tough guy. Can come in, knows the offense. Um, that's very valuable. Backup quarterback in this league. You have some teams like the Packers right now who are floundering. If, if you have this solved and have a guy that you trust and it's young and you can groom, this is great. Kyle did the same thing with Kirk Cousins in Washington. He replaced mm-hmm. RG3. This secession plan, having two young quarterbacks, is a very smart thing. Yeah, and you mentioned what's going on at Green Bay. Brent Hundley, I feel like at times knowing the system, as they say, is is it's, it can be overrated because Brett Hundley has been playing that system for, for this is the third year now. And right. and he's he's just been totally, totally overmatched. But I feel like that there's two halves of that equation. A, you have to know the system. And B, you have to be able to play. And C.J. Beathard has both halves of that. He knows the system and he can play. So it's it's not going to be too much of a risk to keep him around to to have him maybe come in for a couple of games. Like I feel like in the NFL today, you need to have a backup quarterback that can win three to four games. If your starter comes out, because at some point in the season, your starter will be hurt. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. There, there are guys that, that are just iron men that just don't, don't get hurt. Like Eli Manning, Russell Wilson, and, and after the knee injury, Brady, but that's just, that's the exception, not the rule. So you have to have two, two quarterbacks on, on your roster that can play and win. Yeah, drafting quarterbacks to me is almost never a bad thing. That's why Trent Baalke failed so miserably is that when Cap started trending towards the opposite direction, he did not draft a young quarterback. He looked at the Gabbers and other guys from the free agency pool, and he was just scared to pull the trigger on someone, I guess. But, um, yeah, I'm comfortable with this. We, we rehashed it earlier. Just if you keep playing C.J. Beathard, you're setting up a situation where he enters – the offseason with more starts and if Garoppolo doesn't play well to end the year, you're giving CJ Beathard momentum in the offseason that this is a quarterback competition and controversy. And I just don't think you want that. If you don't have mm-hmm. one guy, you have zero guys. Two guys equals zero to me in the NFL. You can't pick between one of them, you have a problem. Right. Yeah. And and I'm I'm with you. The, the old saying goes, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. So They've got to make a decision. They've got to make it this season. And, and I agree that this should not be a wasted season. You should settle at least, at the very least, you should settle 
your quarterback position because they spent the entire season kind of kind of purging the roster and getting rid of all the bulky guys and bringing in Lynch guys. And it's been a ton of roster turnover and that they've kind of just been spinning their wheels. Like we've seen signs of small progress, but we haven't seen anything like that. They can really take in a next year and be like, this is going to be the same next year as it was last year. So if they can solve the quarterback uh, quandary, then, then I'm totally good with that. So my bad, because real quickly, if they bring in, another rookie class like this one, you're counting on Witherspoon potentially being a starter next year. I mean, he's, he looks good to start as a rookie. Solomon Thomas, obviously, with the Colbert, you just had some rookies come on here who could potentially be legit starters, and you're grooming them, and they're getting way more snaps than they would in any other organization. So it, it, once you get your quarterback solved and you have two good draft classes together, your momentum is about to change significantly. You're about to be close to eight or nine wins if Jimmy G can make plays. Yeah, yeah. And it, it really is one less question mark for them to solve. And I touched on this last week. You want as little as as few question marks as possible when you're going into a season. And that's just one huge question mark that's going to be solved, hopefully, by the end of the season. So that brings me to this week. Now, Kevin, what's going to happen for the 49ers? What's got to happen for the 49ers to win this game? How are they going to compete with the Seahawks? Like it seems like the Seahawks offense is 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 much better now than it was at the beginning of the season, and and most of that is Russell Wilson. Like he's pretty much their entire offense. So I think the 49ers are going to win this game if they're going to win it. They're going to have to shorten this game. They're going to have to play ball control. They're going to it's going to have to be a slug it out like how it was up in Seattle at that twelve nine sort of thing. It's going to have to be like a drag it out, slug it out sort of game where they have to have long sustaining drives and they have to be able to run the ball or complete short passes to kind of keep the clock moving. And it's, it's really, they're gonna have to come up with turnovers and they won't, they can't turn the ball over themselves. Like it's yeah. to be, to be Seattle. Yep. To beat Seattle, you pretty much have to play a perfect game to be Seattle. Yeah. So the ball control thing, maybe if they're actually going to win, I think they need to expose the plays like they had last week. The, 75-yard touchdown to Marquise Goodwin. Carlos Hyde started the game, I think, with like a 34-yard run, something like that. Those plays have been missing all year. When the 49ers have been in games and they were losing close, they were getting those explosive plays. When they were losing by a lot, they weren't. So Kyle needs to figure out a way, whether it's Beathard or Garoppolo, to give those guys a chance to make the explosive plays, um, to be in the game early. They can't play from behind, essentially. Playing from behind against Seattle will be impossible. It'll make the game so boring. They they have to strike early, in my opinion, and uh, and try and flip the momentum. Yeah, and it's going to have to be a lot of really disciplined defense. Uh, Russell Wilson, when he scrambles, you are going to have to keep eyes on him. Guys down the field, the corners and safeties stay on your guy the entire play. I feel like that's kind of what happens is that people, like the, the secondary senses that their defense is getting close, like the crowd reaction or whatever it is, and they stop covering for like a second, and that's all he needs. He literally needs like just a second. He's that good at improvising that he just needs a little bit of time and a little bit of space and he'll fit it in there. So really, like you said, the margin for error is, is slim to none. And if they're going to win this game, they, they, they can't take dumb penalties. They can't turn the ball over. They have to create turnover somehow. And they can't let Russell Wilson run wild. I know it's, it sounds simple, but it's, it's really one of the hardest things to do in the NFL because very few people can contain him. Yeah, I mean they're they're a one and nine football team too. Yeah, and, and as yeah. we said earlier, like you're a team that pressures 
like the 49ers do in PFF gives them high grades for pressures. That's not a good thing against Seattle. That's setting Russell Wilson up to do dangerous things for you. So I'd like to see some sacks. I'd like to see him on the ground. I know it's very hard to do, but if, if they are going to go with this method, as they did last time, week two, they pressured the crap out of him up there mm-hmm. on the road and, and really made that a low-scoring game. I would, I would expect they'd do the same. I'd like to see Buckner have you know two, two-and-a-half sacks Foster force a fumble. They're going to need big plays on both sides of the ball, and and they're going to need to finish the plays. Yeah, and they. I mean, you said it. You said it right there. I couldn't have said it better myself. Like they, they're going to have to finish. It's not about, especially when you play Seattle. They're a fourth quarter team, and they're probably the best second half team that I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, they'll play you close for the first half. It'll be like a like a six three game or something like that, and then in the second half they just put their foot on the pedal, and that's it. So you really have to be wary of that and kind of just hang in there as best you can on paper. This is a mismatch. Like you said, 49ers are one and nine team. The Seahawks are, are contending for the division title. So this is not, this is, this is a mismatch, but you can, you can make it close by doing the small things. So um, this brings us to our predictions for the week. And Kevin, I'm going to say that the 49ers, I'm going to say they're going to lose, but I'm going to say that it's going to be a pretty close game. It's going to be, um, twenty to seventeen. The 49ers are gonna gonna go down by by only three points. It'll be a pretty well played game, and um, I'm gonna say that it's cl- it's close up until the fourth quarter, and Seattle will just kind of pull away a little bit. So I'm gonna say twenty seventeen. Forty ers go down. What about you? I got two alternate endings here, depending on who starts at quarterback. C.J. Beathard starts a twenty four ten loss. They get down early. They're just trying to play catch up. He's throwing the ball way too much. They don't get the run established. If Jimmy Garoppolo plays, I think it ends up being 31-29, a very close loss. But there's big plays made during the game, and there's huge excitement about his debut. I hope so. I mean, I, I really hope so. Because it's, it's kind of like uh, we were talking about early, earlier in the season, that the elegant tank, right? Where you, you play well, but you still lose, so you don't give up any draft <laughs> position. So it's kind of the, the, the ideal scenario there. And I want to I want to touch on before we go I want to real quick touch on what else is going on in the NFL because I think it's important as it relates to the 49ers. The Browns still haven't won a game. They may very well go 0 16. The Giants beat the the Chiefs, so they're up at up one draft spot ahead of the 49ers. But if you look at some of these, so basically these three teams are out of it at this point. But if you look at the other, you know, the other playoff kind of caliber teams that aren't really performing well the Raiders come to mind as one of them Green Bay is another one and Washington is another one these teams they all have really interesting sort of scenarios going on like I look at the Raiders and and man they just got blasted by the the Patriots in in Mexico City which I'm not surprised Tom Brady in in a neutral site but just the way they went down man it just it just was really really bad Derek Carr just doesn't he does not have any help this has been a crazy season because teams that we thought were going to trend up, like the Raiders, are trending down, and teams like the Saints and the Rams. Mm-hmm. Even Philadelphia being the best team in the league, no one saw that coming. So I think this year it actually ended up being a little fascinating, and it is setting up, in my opinion, for either Philly against Pittsburgh or Philly against New England. I think those are clearly the three best teams in the league, and you have a lot of like really good teams, like 12 of them, and then a bunch of bottom feeders. So it's, it's been an interesting year with some surprises. Um, but, yeah, Raiders across the bay right now. Fans are not happy with Jack Del Rio. I don't see Mark Davis parting with him anytime soon. He doesn't want any more expenses on his books. 
and he's got a team about to move. You don't want a new coach for that. So I think Del Rio is actually going to be here for quite a while. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that they're, I mean, they're pretty much done with Oakland, right? So I don't think he's going to want to pour any more money into the the Oakland Raiders. I think that he's, he's already in, he's mentally already in Vegas anyways. But another one of those teams is the, is the Chiefs. And I can't believe they lost. I can't believe they lost to, to the Giants in New York. I, I, this was a team that three weeks ago, we were like, it's going to be Chiefs and, and Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. And now they've, they've lost a couple in a row and they're kind of floundering and they're six and three now. And, and, they've left the, the door to that division a little bit open. Are, are you surprised at all about that? Um, that division we thought was the best in football. Los Angeles Chargers might end up winning it. They look really good against the Bills. I've granted the five interceptions from Peter Vinton, but um, yeah, that division is flipped upside down almost right now. Denver's got a mess at quarterback. They might be in the Kirk Cousins negotiations if they need a quarterback that badly. You got that division is is uh, up for grabs. I will say I think Kansas City will make the postseason, maybe as a wild card. But I think the Chargers are going to sneak in here and be competitive at the end. Yeah, they've kind of gone on in a little bit of a run, and and it's shaping up to be a really interesting playoff push because you've got the usual suspects. You've got you've got Seattle, and you've got the Patriots, and you've got Pittsburgh, and you've got a lot of these teams that we're used to seeing up there. But then you have other teams that that are kind of up and coming, like you said, the Chargers and, and the Ravens are five and five and they're still in it. And, you know, like in the NFC that the, you mentioned the saints and obviously the, the Eagles who have the best record of football, it's just, it, it's, it's a really interesting mix of teams. And for all of the flack that the NFL has taken in terms of ratings and all this stuff and, and less popularity, it's kind of nice to see some of these newer teams like a Minnesota in there or a new Orleans who's been dor- dormant for a few years in there. Or even like a um, even like a Kansas City in there who's who's been close, but they haven't really been elite. So it's it's kind of refreshing, isn't it? Well, for the 49ers, it's they love seeing New Orleans and Philadelphia with a quick turnaround with a new coach and a young quarterback. I mean, NFC, there's hope. It, AFC has always been Pittsburgh, New England, or Denver. I mean, it's everyone else has been a second class citizen. NFC kind of passes the torch along and I think that's where 49ers fans should be happy that there's quick turnarounds teams have changed their momentum quickly I don't know if the Saints and Vikings are going to be able to sustain success I don't see these dominant stretches lasting for a couple years I think this could be a blip on the radar for both they're both catching a lot of breaks right now and that's all it takes in the NFC the Niners have their two years they could return sooner than people think and we can only hope that 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 you're right and if they can solve that quarterback situation, I, I think that they, they'll, be, they'll be okay. They'll be okay for the next few years. But Kevin, man, thank you so much again for, for joining us. And I know this was uh, kind of short notice, but uh, I, I really appreciate it. The, the fans love listening to you as well. So thank you so much for joining us, man. appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Al, your, your starting spot might be up for grabs, man. Two, two <laughs> solid performances here. Uh, the, the heat is on. The backup quarterback. The conversation has <laughs> started. No, just kidding. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we may have to go with the, like a rotating, you know, how they rotate quarterbacks, maybe like a rotating host thing. And then <laughs> maybe you can rotate in for me once in a while too, you know? Like there's, we, we get paid very well, just so you know. Just so you oh, know. Oh, yeah. Little, no, little... yeah. Where's my check from the last show? It's been a, co- <laughs> it's been a couple minutes. Awesome stuff. Oh, man. Thanks. So uh, thanks so much to Kevin Jones for joining us again. I am Zane Nackery for the 49ers Web Zone Know How to Podcast. We will talk to y'all later. Peace.